welcome to the Insight Podcast. My guest today is Kate Strong. Kate is an adventurer, activist, and three times world record holder. We talk about her world records and the lessons she's learned from completing these challenges, the value of setting yourself a challenge, her next big challenge, the climate cycle, and more. Enjoy the episode. So, Kate, I think you might be the first world record holder that I've had on the show. <laughs> so you've got, to, you've got to tell us more about that, the, these world records that you hold. So I have a world record in being the world's first world record holder of a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, two years ago, so that's in 2021, I actually broke four world records in static cycling. Uh, but I broke the same one twice, so technically three world records on a static cycle. Wow. Well, we'll go with four. Four sounds much better, doesn't it? So the world records, you're, you're on a static bike, but what actually, what did you do? Why is it yeah. a world record? <laughs> okay. So the, the, let's rewind a little bit in that I was tired of competing against others in sports, but I was still looking for a way to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I love sport because it is really a way to see whether I'm procrastinating, resisting, hesitating, or if I've got things that are holding me back. And it's I have to you know, train. There's no hiding spots. In work, we can sort of hide away. So I was looking for a sport to, to push myself. And there was a world record for men in static cycling for the furthest mm -hmm. distance on a bike, you know, a, a bike that doesn't move in 24 hours, but there was no female equivalent. And I'm always looking for ways to positively disrupt sectors. And I thought, well, maybe if I attempted that record, we could have a, an open conversation about women in sport. And it's a way of equalizing the playing field because there'll be an equal and uh, opposite record. So that's pretty much how the idea was born, was for me to pedal for 24 hours nonstop on a bike uh, and attempt to set a new world record for a female. Um, because of lockdown and because my dead, the date I'd always set for my world record kept moving, I decided to also see if I couldn't break the one and the 12 hour record at the same time. Uh, I was getting a little bit fidgety. It's very hard to train for an event where there's no deadline. Uh, I really mm. like that end result uh, or at least a date to work towards. So having that one and 12 hour record kept me distracted enough that I wasn't getting too in my head and frustrated with a situation I could have no control over really. So yeah, that was the world records that I uh, uh, attempted and broke. <laughs> Incredible. Absolutely amazing and inspiring. I think almost the, the one hour record is, is like more impressive. I don't know why, but to me, it seems like, you know, 24 hours, just there must be so few people that can sit on a bike for 24 hours and just grind away and get it done. But the fact that you set the one hour record as well, which I guess must be, it's almost like, how can you train for both? How can you train for a one hour and a 24 hour? Because the one hour must have been, did, was, was that like that you, there was an hour that you kind of warmed up, built up to, and then thought, right, I've just got to go for it for an hour. And then you kept it up for another 23 or did it come, where did it come in the 24 hours? If you, if you see what I mean? Yeah, it's exactly that. The first hour right. I broke the one hour record, the 12th hour I broke the 12 hour record. And then I sort of, uh, 
sort of freewheeled <laughs> into the 24 <laughs> hours, so only 12 more hours to go. Uh, but it was a really good mindset piece because I had the, the goals broken down. So I, I just had to focus on the first hour first rather than this mountain of, you know, 600 minutes looming ahead of me otherwise. Yeah, true, but you'd still got a quick hour in your legs before you had to do another 23 hours. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know how far we can push ourselves until we push ourselves. So I thought, what's the worst that will happen is, you know, I break the one hour record and then don't do the 24. Uh, it, but I, it's a learning curve. So I was happy to, yeah. to, well, happy, not on the bike happy, but happy in theory to see if it was a possibility and uh, just to see if I could push myself, which, which, which I think sometimes we're a bit nervous of. We don't realise that the comfort zone is when we break. You know, we stop when it's uncomfortable rather than when we fall or break or, or fail. But the comfort zone la- limit is when we're falling. So I was happy to see if I could get to that falling space. Yeah, and and like you said about what sport teaches us, I think that is where we get a huge amount of value from sports, physical challenges, setting ourselves these goals is going outside of our comfort zone and realizing what we can do. I just think that's kind of, it's what life, what life is all about. You know, why would we want to stay comfortable and not realize our potential, not see what we can do? And I think also you're right that so many people don't, they underestimate themselves. They don't realize just how far they can push themselves and what they can achieve. And what ripple effect that has out, not just on their lives, but on the people around them that are seeing what they're doing and becoming inspired by that. So can we talk a little bit more about that mindset piece then of physical challenges? Um, How much do you think it is physical and how much mental, how much physical preparation do you do for challenges like this, but also another challenge that you've got coming up that I can't wait to ask you about and find out more about, but how much, how much is it physical versus mental? That's one thing I'm curious to hear from you. That's a great question. And I think it, it changes every day. Like it, like some weeks, all I want to do is get on the bike or, you know, as the example, or go running and be in action and tick off that to-do list. Other times I know I need to sort of contemplate a bit more, recharge, spend a bit more time in reflection. And also if I'm feeling nervous to get out my plan and go, you know, have I covered every contingency? Who could support me here if I am struggling? Where can I find extra time or that marginal gain in my nutrition or, or some other element? So having having all three, if you want, because I also put like the, 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 the mental health, if you want, or the as well as the physical and the, the action and the, um, the results sort of thing, uh, having them mm-hmm. all present and allowing me to play whatever I feel like gives me a bit of freedom because it can be seen as quite regimented otherwise. Um, but yeah, I think mental comes first in, in saying all of that mental comes first and foremost. If, if we're not confident, if our words are holding us back, if we are limiting ourselves in the problem is that, or the trouble is, or we're a, a no sayer, we don't say yes with an opportunity or mm. I can't do it now, but I can do it maybe in the future or I can't do it yet that magic word opens up a whole new world. So I think mindset first and foremost, but we also can't underestimate the amount of training it takes. Because I did attempt the 24-hour record beforehand in VegFest in London, so in Olympia, and I failed because I hadn't done the training. I was a little bit cocky. It was a few years after me being a world champion in triathlon, and I thought, nah, it'll be easy. You know, I just need to sit there and cycle. And you don't. 
So, so I had, I had publicly failed beforehand. So I, I, I went into this one with a lot more humility, realizing mm. that it does require commitment. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that you tried it once before and, and failed, but every good story has that element to it, doesn't it? For sure. The, yeah. the going for it, failing, and then what did you learn from it? So you learned from that, that you just, you hadn't put in the training physically. You, ha- you hadn't put in the work. Was that it? Yeah. hundred percent. I was sloppy in my training, slopping in my pre- preparation, a little bit laissez-faire, a little bit arrogant and yeah, didn't, didn't achieve the goal. So, yeah. uh, lesson learned. <laughs> lesson learned. And then you came back stronger. Um, yeah. and what about, so low points, were there any, I mean, I don't I realize that might've been a low point that the, 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 the failure in inverted commas, cause it wasn't a failure in the end, was it? It was all, it was turned into something positive. You, you learn from it and then, and then achieve what you set out to achieve. But during a, a mammoth challenge, like a 24 hour cycle, I imagine that there are some low points where you, well, were there where low points where you thought, I, I just need to give up. I, I can't do this. Um, or was it quite a, a steady thing? Uh, were you prepared for that? And I don't know what lessons are there in that, in, in, in getting so close to a low point and, and pushing the boundary, like we said before about, you know, realizing your potential, realizing what you could do. I don't know. Is there, is there anything else you learned from, from low points and, and how to carry on? Yeah. There were definitely some low points. One, because I'd never cycled so far in my life before, or for, for, well, I'd done the 24 hours, but it, it was, as I said, I'd done the 24 hours before, but I'd failed. But I'd never done it with such ferocity or intensity before. And yeah. I was ready to quit. There were times where, like, uh, maybe too much detail, but I chafed so hard that I was, my mm. skin had split. I was sitting on cut wounds, cycling. Uh, trying to push through like an immense physical pain. Uh, I hadn't uh, practiced cycling for more than nine hours in training. So my digestive tract stopped digesting. So my stomach was bloating up and I couldn't take on more food. I needed my physio to physically massage my intestines to move the food through me. Um, So that in itself was hugely painful. and my body started to break down. My my back started to to seize. My knees started to hurt. Uh, so basically, every single element of my physical body was breaking down. But the key that got me through is I had my team to to pl- plan and prepare. I didn't look at the twenty four hours or the ten hours or the six hours left. Kate, can you cycle for five minutes? Yes, I can. Get through five minutes, and we'll review. The goal was shrunk to as mm. small a minutiae as I could possibly manage. You know, it, it sounds very obvious, but I was, they would incentivize me with sweets. Like, oh, if you do this, we'll give you some chocolates, you know, uh, anything to get me excited about something in the future. And we, we, we do that with children and think it's, you know, it wouldn't work for adults. It, it totally does. Any type of reward at the end that would help me push through, uh, mm-hmm. helped me. But breaking down the goal into the minutiae of the steps and also me only having the goal or the job of cycling, everyone else looked after the other details. I didn't know if I was on or off track for the goal. I couldn't I couldn't work out the numbers. I was so, so fatigued. They did. They knew I was close to failing, but they didn't tell me. I, they just focused me on the five minutes and pushed me through. So build a strong team. They were all volunteers. Make sure that we enroll them in the vision 
And then mm. when I'm ready to fail, my inspiration of the past is now their inspiration to push me through. Amazing. Just so much to take from that. The, the, the part about the community and, and your support team and just how valuable uh, that is. There's just so many reflections on life, isn't there? There's so many um, comparisons we can, we can say that this physical challenge is like a reflection of life. But I love that. So your team had to tell you some little white lies, I'm guessing, every so often just to, just to keep you going. Yeah, completely. And uh, it, it started to become fun. And you know, one of my missions is everything was live streamed. So it was all on social, including the last time, which was a failure. And that was a public with, with hundreds of people present. And mm. it isn't because of, it isn't because I want to be seen as like the, the, the winner per se, but I want to show the truth. I want people to see yeah. this is what success looks like. It is ugly. I cry. You know, I, I, I wet myself. I, I had to pee on the bike, you know, for, for time saving. You know, I was mm-hmm. bleeding. I was complaining, but I still did it. That is what success looks like. It isn't the, the, polish, the polished conversation we're having here. It is actually yeah. the mess that you saw on the bike. And it, that also kept me going. Not not that I wanted to, to get the records and say, yay, we did it. But I wanted to show people that we can push through pain. That mm. somebody messaging me at three in the morning from the States who just dialed in and saw me saying, keep going. Whomever that person was really inspired me in quite a dark moment, literally and metaphorically, to keep going. So positive words to even strangers. When we're on social, as you said, in life, if you see a post or a reel of somebody that you, you admire for their effort, tenacity or something, let them know. We have no idea how that can happen because there's so many focus on when the trolls come out. Let's start rewarding with love, rewards with positive affirmations, and then that will help others step up. Maybe not in cycling world records, but in their own way as well in their life. I got goosebumps then. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, Kate. <laughs> that, that little part of what you just said, uh, yeah, certainly um, sparked something in me. I, I completely agree. Um, and that's incredible. It's it's so true, like that as well, that polished product that we see. We see people once they've reached the top, if that exists, um, but if once they've been successful or, or they're kind of, or, you know, whatever, however we measure success. But of course, we don't see all the work that went on behind the scenes, all the sleepless nights, all the failures as well. I mean, there's loads of stories, aren't there, that of, of the hugely successful people in the world that have failed, 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 failed. And then, yes, they they hit the, mm-hmm. they what are, they got that product or, or whatever, the timing was right. And then that's when they found their huge um, success. So just so much to take from that. So much to take, really, really interesting. And I like that idea that on, when you see someone on social media that you're impressed by, tell them because we, we don't often do we, we just kind of go, we might look at them and think, oh, well, they're sharing that their success. So they must be really sure of themselves and they're confident and they don't need anything. But actually those are the people that probably most more often than not actually want that little boost and that recognition. And, and so why not give it to them? Um, I like that. And maybe there's a little part of us that's a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy. I think I've, I can be guilty of that when I see someone that's done something that I kind of wanted to do and you're like, ah, oh. but then I think we have to overcome that, don't we? For sure. We have to overcome that and just celebrate each other. Like I think Jay Shetty says, there's, there's room for everyone in the theater of happiness, you know, just celebrate everyone and everything. They've, you know, there's, there's plenty of uh, room for us all to be happy and successful. Yeah. So before and- we move, 
Go on, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, because I'm actually really, I love your social posts because they're very professional and clean, which is completely the opposite to what I do. Uh, but uh, even if you and I said the identical posts, but you put a Samuel filter on it and I put a Kate filter on it, they would be so different. So mm-hmm. even if you and I had the identical message, the identical offering, the identical words, we would attract different tribes. We would attract different people and it would like resonate with with different audience. So it, it isn't a, mo- a matter of like, there is only one cake. The cake can be made again and again and again. You know, this is about us collaborating and championing greatness rather than like feeding our own intimidations and fear and you know, insecurities. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Love that. So what about um, setting big physical challenges then for just kind of the, the general person out there? I think we've, you've kind of done so much to explain what value there is in a physical challenge and how it can ripple out into, into professional life, personal life I'm managing as well, family life too. Um, but do you, do you kind of think that everyone should set themselves a big physical challenge? I think, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to. It might have been one of my kind of more bro sciencey podcasts that I do enjoy listening to every so often. That, um, I think the host or the guest was saying, you know, once a year you should do something that absolutely sucks. Like it's just horrible and you want it to end and you have to keep pushing through. And, and I think I see the value in that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. It's whether it's a, running a marathon or a cycle or um, a three peaks challenge, but just something where it's really hard work and you have to keep going. Like I said, I think you've kind of, you've already spoken to this already, but have you got any other thoughts around the, just the general population setting themselves a huge challenge? doesn't have to be a world record, of course, but just a big challenge. Yeah, I think, I, I do think everyone needs to have something that gets themselves out of their own life because far too often we sit in our own problems and then the problems become the size of our world. So having, and, and I, and there is like, like the way I got into sport is my ex fiance of nine years. It was a very, by the end of it, it was a very toxic and abusive and controlling relationship where I wasn't even allowed out of the house without his permission because he used to track my phone. So to me, a 10 minute run where I used to hide my phone in the in the um, letterbox and run up and down to it so he didn't know I left the house was a massive run because I broke the rules that were controlling me. So there is no judgment whether it's a 100-mile run or a one-mile run. Mm. We know our own size of our life. I also don't have children, so I am in a privileged position by choice to not care for others, to not have lives that I want to invest in and grow, etc. So I, I can dream of like three months on the road, which you'll hear later, mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. I don't have those types of responsibilities. Um, so this is like, everyone needs a goal, but there's no judgment whether it's a 5k or a 500k. It's about, you know, in your heart, when the butterflies arrive, that's the one you need to do. You know, the one that challenges the belief structure of I have to put my kids, the dog, the work, the partner, the house, da, 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 first. You know that that goal would put you ahead and put you first in your life. That's the goal you need to do. And it's the most selfish perceived thing you can ever do, but it's the most selfless act you will ever achieve. Because once we are centered, grounded, balanced, more confident, feeling good about ourselves, guess what? We've got more to give. So the more we give ourselves, the more we give others. 
it's a it's a complete paradox but the more i'm doing for me selfishly and saying yes to opportunities and and experiences that make me more me goodness me i'm now writing to 32,000 schools asking them how i can serve them but before i wouldn't have even managed three you know so we have to put ourselves first but there's absolutely no rule whether it's a walk to town or as i said like that everest climb as well absolutely it's all relative isn't it and for sure i like that whether it's between a 5k or a 500k <laughs> it, it doesn't matter does it um amazing amazing and amazing to hear a bit more about your your backstory and everything that that was involved in it as well um what was i about to say I lost my trail of thought then. I do this. <laughs> I, think, uh, I do this. I, it's fine. I'm, I'm, a I'm a derailer because I don't like sitting in, in tracks. So <laughs> No, no, no. It's a good derail. I think part of my mind was like, oh, that is going to be such a good highlight when I share it on social media. <laughs> um, it's completely escaped me. On my, where, where am I? So uh, what what I was you... about to ask you anyway. But go on. Go on. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what are you working on, Samuel? I appreciate that because something that I did want to mention, but I didn't know if we'd gone too far away off on the tangent, um, away from it was when we were talking about mindset and physical versus mental. Um, so I ran a, a marathon barefoot. It's, it's about a year and a half ago now. And, and it's just, it is something that I wanted to talk to, about, to you about. Maybe, maybe to kind of get your approval and, and get a world record holder to say, oh. <laughs> No, um, but what it was, was, um, (laughs) thank you. Ah, yes, you've made my day now. (laughs) Uh, I, there's kind of a story around that, that I don't think I've really shared that much. I kind of find it a bit awkward to share things on social media. I've always had this thing about not kind of celebrating myself too much for risk of being known as a show off or something like that. And it's something I'm trying to get over because the, when someone does message you saying that was really inspirational or I've changed this since you posted about this, Sam, and I'm feeling much better, you go, wow, if that's what I can do by ju- just being a bit vulnerable and maybe to some people I might appear like I'm showing off, but I think the, the right people know that that's not what it's about. But anyway, the story around it was, you know, I, um, I, w- I was training up to it. I was running both in shoes and without shoes to kind of build up the miles. Um, but I started to get quite bad problems in my calves and every, any, any other barefoot marathon or sorry, I'd done barefoot half marathons before and it always been so good for my calves and my Achilles. Uh, and I'd always felt great, but it's almost like I'd kind of up the miles a bit too quickly. And so I was having a lot of pain. And so I had to really reduce my training and I just, I wasn't able to run because of the pain and I was seeing a physio <coughs> So, excuse me. So all I would do is I'd have to go to the gym and go on the cross trainer. And, and I thought, right, well, I need to just be comfortable with going for over three hours, three and a half hours, like on my feet, just going, going, going. So I'd go to the gym on a cross trainer for three hours with no music, with no podcast, because I, well, I'm not going to have music on a podcast and a marathon because I don't enjoy that. I like being there. And I just did it. And, and I think that's actually huge, isn't it? Like, I'm not sure you know, where that came from, but it was completely a mindset thing. Like I need to do this and it will set me up really well. And the other thing was in, because of all that, it meant that the furthest I'd run before the marathon barefoot was a half marathon, which I did a couple of weeks before. 
And the furthest I'd run, even in shoes, up to that point was a half marathon, you know, w- within the last few years, because I had run a marathon a, f- a few years before it. But in the lead up to it, yeah, the furthest I'd run was a half marathon. And, you know, I think I wasn't really sharing much with friends and family. I, I just, it was completely intrinsic. It was like, I'm going to do this. Like, there's no question about it. I, I visualized myself crush- crossing the line with no shoes on <laughs> after running a marathon. And I think what I can take from that from now on is just just how important mindset is. Just saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And of course, I could have failed, couldn't I? I could have trodden on something, cut my foot, had to stop. I could have just blown out and just not been able to do it. And, you know, not because I didn't have the training, but so much of it was just mindset. I'm going to do this. I can see myself doing this. I like and also just an understanding of like my body is incredible what it can do is absolutely incredible if I just relax and let it do its thing and not tense up and not take myself too seriously I was running around you know whales with no shoes on and people are saying oh you forgot any shoes mate and just enjoying that just just going with it so this episode is about you and I have just spent the last five minutes talking about myself, but I just, I wanted to share it with you and get your thoughts. (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. And you're, you're totally right. Cause you could have given up, you you know, with validity, you could have justified it on so many levels, but you had like, there's a beautiful proverb. I think it's a Chinese proverb that says you had your goal in stone, but the journey in sand. And that's, you you know, you had your North star set. You knew what you wanted. You wanted to run that marathon in a in barefoot, and even in injury, you found a workaround, and mm-hmm. and you knew you could get through it. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah. a it's an amazing story. So thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, you you do deserve to share more about it. And do you know what? People will always judge us, so yeah. let them judge. I'd prefer them to judge me for doing my life and sharing it than for not doing my life and living in a, in a cardboard box, trying to be too small for them because I trigger them for whatever reason. You know, we're here yeah. to hold the space for greatness. Let the people see where they can step up and join us. Love that. Love that. It's so true. And, and what, what a value can you put out into the world that won't be criticized? I suppose, you know, the, the only way we're going to make inroads and make progress is doing things differently. Mm-hmm. And when you do things differently, you get criticized. So yeah, yeah, exactly. No, thank let's you. Be You've made my day. Let's be criticized. Yay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk about what's next then. Um, the climate cycle, is that, is that the big thing that's next? Tell us what yeah. that involves and what it's all about. Yeah, so the evolution of Kate continues. Uh, originally did triathlons, so that was a competition with others, then com- competition with me. And albeit I love pushing myself, but I was thinking, is there another way I can do competition, uh, sports, without basically beasting myself? Like, I'm, I'm a middle-aged woman. My body is sort of asking me for a little bit of, like, downtime. Uh, so I thought, <laughs> <laughs> could I use sport as a force for good? Could I use it to collaborate, to connect, to engage, to free my free, free spirit as well? So climate mm-hmm. cycle is a sort of birth child of those ideas of bringing all my passions together. So I've got a handmade bamboo bike and I'm cycling 3,000 miles, 5,000 kilometers around mainland Britain over three months with me in my tent, visiting different sustainability projects, groups, communities, and initiatives. So about, I'm visiting at least 30, I reckon, over these 90 
days all around England, Scotland and Wales, uh, leaning on strangers to help you know, wash my clothes, uh, feed me, potentially sleep in a bed if it's raining because uh, I'll be in my tent otherwise. So it also mm-hmm. opens up the, you know, stranger danger story that we have running that I do need the nation to sort of step up and support me a little bit. Otherwise, I'm going to be very stinky after nine days at the least. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the message beneath it is a bit like more significant than, you know, can Kate get clean? Um, it's, uh, it's about... <laughs> how we can all work together as a community. I, you know, I, I got very anxious over lockdown when I started to see the data and the stats and the, I couldn't see a number that wasn't declining towards the red zone. And I just didn't know what to do. But I also started to lose hope and faith in humanity. I started to, you know, question why am I here? You know, if, if no one is doing anything good, then what is the point? Like we're destined for a, a very, very sad future. So this journey is about connecting to those people who are doing things, who are in action, who are creating little initiatives around the country from, you know, foraging to gleaning in Cornwall to foraging in um, uh, the Lake District to composting in Norfolk, you know, to e-bike hires for free for charities, for uh, using seagrass instead of microplastics. You know, like, mm. how can we actually get excited not changing our life, not having to live that small life, not having to withdraw, reduce, stop, and prevent. We can still live in abundance. We can get, still go surfing in Cornwall, but on a wooden surfboard, not a single-use plastic board. So I'm, I'm trying to meet as many of these types of projects as possible to say life can be fun, but we are nature. We're not a part of a system managing nature. We are natural beings. We need to protect this like our life depends on it. and we can do that with fun on a bamboo bike. Yeah. Oh, wow. An incredible, another incredible challenge. Um, so I want to ask more about the message, but before I do, just some practicalities. So how, how far will you be cycling a day? What will that involve? Well, because it, this is the thing, 3,000 miles sounds enormous, doesn't it? it yeah. Over 90 days, it's only 33 miles a day. But still, uh, you know, repeated, repeated, repeated uh, yeah. so often. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still a lot. I, I will be lot. doing like more more some days so I can have days off. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, when, when I like a little bit of freestyle so I can, you know, run in a forest, yeah. like go barefoot running in the forest if I want to or, nice. you know, ocean dipping and swimming. Uh, so there yeah. is that free time and also helping different community projects. I'd like a few more extra days with them. So, yeah, but it is only 33 miles a day on average. Oh, only god i can't believe it and you're going to take rest days as well unbelievable kate unbelievable yeah i know, I know. <laughs> shame shame on me what were they saying exactly. on social, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and the the bamboo bike as well you've got to tell us about that who made it did you make it well or? i did make a bike out of bamboo but it, it's a very it's a very hard process, um, as I'm sure you can imagine. And unfortunately, uh, well, bike, I've never thought about it until now. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the bike I made um, it it's rideable for very short distances, but it won't it right. wouldn't sustain me for the for the duration. So I've got a, I work with a charity based in Ghana uh, that have made me a proper frame with proper bike manufacturers, and I love it because for the frame that we've made, they've also made an equivalent. I think two and given them to kids in the area so they can cycle wow. to school. So it's a nice little give back as well for the community. 
That's really cool. That's really cool. Right. And then back to the messages. Um, so you're visiting different kind of climate initiatives. And something that I seem to um, hear often is we've got the solutions, but we're just not working together. And also that people don't know about them as well. People don't know that there are these solutions out there and just how they could maybe incorporate them into their lives or introduce them at work, whatever it is. So it seems like this climate cycle is going to do so much to raise awareness of what is out there and what can be done. So is that the idea? And and are you kind of documenting it and then sharing these different organisations with people? Yeah, yeah, completely. And the message isn't just about individual change behaviour because the vast majority of us just don't know what to do because there's so much conflicting information out there as well. And and it also removes, removes something from our life, like don't travel don't eat this yeah. type of food, don't buy from that company. And then we're left with a gap and a missing. So I do want to plug those gaps. But the bigger message for me is the let's start asking the government to change policy. Like if all mm. of us, if we all started recycling plastic, it's an amazing effort. But if the government changed the policy that large supermarkets didn't wrap paper their fruit and vegetables in plastic, that would have a much more significant impact. Mm. So yes, it's about in individual behavior, but I'm looking at a bigger picture and saying, come on, UK, we can lead the way. You know, we're very proud of pioneering in many areas of our lives and as a country. Let's actually pioneer in this and start changing some legislation. We as consumers wouldn't even notice, but it would have a profound and lasting impact on our future and our, you know, and our leading the way, if you want, in that climate conversation globally. Yeah, for sure. And, and food packaging is a great example, isn't it? I think, it, is it Riverford? Do you know Riverford, the kind mm-hmm. of the home delivery of fruit and veg and things? They, they wrap in like compostable, don't they? And recyclable stuff. And, and they're show, I think the, the owner has, you know, posted on social media saying like, look, we've got this technology. Come on, all the other supermarkets. I'm not pointing any fingers, but I think it was like, come on, Sainsbury's, Aldi, Tesco. Like, look, we can do it. And we're happy to share this with you. Um, get on it. And I guess it's just, you need to get to that point, don't you, where it's economically viable or whatever it is. But we're at a point now where there's hidden costs of things, isn't there? Yes, it might be cheaper now, but what what are the hidden costs of the way we are doing things, the food we're eating, the way we're wrapping up, the way we are clothing ourselves, what are the costs further down the line? And so if we can draw attention to these technologies, just just how valuable is that? It's really important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it, again, it's it, it's it's on the two prong. It's about the individuals us getting excited about it, but also putting a little bit of pressure on the government and saying, yeah. we don't have to change anything, but you just need to make this legislation in two years. Then you'd actually create that sort of urgency for organisations to step up because it isn't a nice to have at the moment, not a need to have. And that's sort of where mm-hmm. I'd like to start seeing the dial moved. Um but also selfishly, Climate Cycle is for me. I want to have hope in humanity. Yeah. I want to meet lovely people like yourself as well. Unfortunately, I'm not going to Birmingham, but uh, you know, it's, it's in mainland. I'm going coastline. Um, <laughs> but you know, just imagine the communities and the, the ideas and the cross-pollination. And this will all be shared daily on social media. And also I'm creating a blog. So there will be links of all the people I visited and similar organizations that you can get involved mm-hmm. with, either, either through donations, signatory, charity, or even purchases as a, as a consumer. Uh, so it will all be directed from there. In my free time, I'm also learning how to make a documentary f- about it, and I'll be writing a book. So uh, 
yes, got my time cut out. <laughs> I think you have, yeah. I think you're taking on quite a lot, but what an amazing, amazing project. So the doc, the sorry, the book will be on the climate cycle as well, will it? Yeah, right. yeah. It will. It, it will be. I'll write it as a diary and then do a little bit of editing to make sure that it's actually readable um, at the end of the ninety days. But it'll be about sharing not just about the cycle and my own personal journey, but the people I visited and, and the projects as well. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And so is the best way for people to get involved to, to follow you on social media, keep up to date with your blog and then contribute, I guess, to the, to the charities and the organizations that you share. Is, is that the, the best way to, for people to get involved? Yeah, completely. I mean, my website, is it okay if I share now? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, we'll do. I know we normally say that to the end of an episode, but yeah, why not share now? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my website's katestrong.global and my handle on Instagram is katestrong01. And I am actively looking for people. So I start on Monday, the 5th of June, which is World Environment Day. So I'm actively looking for people who want to come and cycle with me for a day, an hour, a week. Uh, the entire route will be open for cyclists to come with me. And also projects. So if anyone who lives in England, Scotland or Wales has a climate initiative and or a social initiative that is giving back some way to, to communities, because I think this is also a social conversation, mm-hmm. then please reach out to me. I'd love to sort of weave you into my cycle route and hopefully meet you for to see what you're up to and get inspired by what your actions are. Excellent. Well, I might make the trip out of Birmingham then and try and meet you somewhere around wherever you, wherever you are, because um, it's inspirational and, I, and I'd love to be involved as well. Will you go anywhere near kind of Bristol Bath area? Yeah, yeah. I'm going intending to spend a few days there. Um, the very last few nice. days of July off the top of my head. Ah, okay, great. Because, well, my sister's down there for one, so I often go down there. But also I've got some friends that live in a little little village or town, I can't remember which, but it's called Pill, I believe. And the, the things that I see that my friends are doing there uh, seem to be really kind of, you know, community and sustainability based. So I, I need to put you in touch with her because I know that she does a lot on kind of the, the um, like a shared garden space, growing fruits and vegetables, um, lots of... Um, like little workshops, like come and bring and we'll, we'll recycle and repair things. You know, they've got like a little community of people, you know, if something's broken, they can bring it in and someone will just voluntarily fix it up for them and that kind of thing. So I need to put you in touch with my friends, I think. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, yeah, I'll try and combine it all, you know, meet you, see them, see my sister. Sounds like a bit of a plan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Convening with well, me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I'll um, cycle. Yeah. Be, I'll be cycling very slowly, and you can just run along next to me. So <laughs> this, yeah, there we go. We've got a plan. We've got a plan. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's um, you know I've I've already said the word inspirational, but it's been really, really inspirational hearing about your story, the challenges, and the one that's coming up next as well. Um, so thank you so much, Kate, for for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. It's um, always a pleasure. But yeah, I really look forward and hopefully you can meet me in person and make Climate Cycle a bit of yours as well, a bit of your story. Absolutely. I'd, yeah, I'd love that. Right. Um, before you go, I'm going to ask the, the three questions that I like to ask every guest at the end of an episode of the podcast. And the first one is, what's that one lesson that you wish you'd have been taught when you were a child? Guys, it's always a hard one that. And because I can't look back and regret because I wouldn't be who I am today. So I can't change who I was because I I, I would ultimately change who I am and I love who I am. So, um, but I think the one thing I would give myself advice for is 
do what you want. Like, Kate, do what you want. Be who you want to be. Because living for other people that will only make yourself and them ha- unhappy. And I and I did that for 35 years. I I studied to be an engineer. I was an aerospace engineer for my parents. You know, I almost married a man because I wanted to please society and my parents. You know, it wasn't it wasn't for in love reasons. It was logic reasons. Mm-hmm. And it, it, all of those decisions just left me miserable, and it left me in a very very toxic place because I I'd lost who I was. So the only the only advice I give to anyone and myself in particular is be me. Don't ever change who you are and just do what makes my heart sing. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work logically. Life will find a way to make sure you just keep doing you. And what's one habit I could add to my life to help me feel great? Ooh, uh, I wanted to find one that was more generic rather than like specific to the moment, because obviously I'm going to be like going running or cycling. But um, have you, there's a beautiful four word, four sentences called Ho'oponopono. And the four sentences are, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm saying those four sentences. So put them, I put them on my mirror for a while and saying them to myself. One opened up things I realized I didn't love myself because I couldn't say that sentence to me. But it also removed any anxiety of what I thought was coming up. It also helped me remove any fr- frustration, anger or regret of what I did in the past as well. Uh, or didn't do. But those four words really helped me heal who I was, what I was carrying in those moments. And it also helps me sort of reframe different relationships that are also a bit intention because, you know, intention, we, we step into who is right, forgetting that everyone is because from every angle, every, every solution is a solution. So mm. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So these are sentences you're saying to yourself. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 If you if you Google Ho'oponopono, uh, it is very easily found, I swear, even though you can't right. spell it, <laughs> uh, or I can't <laughs> spell it. Uh, it is, is an, it's an internationally recognized healing uh, sort of poem or phrases that help with letting go and being in the now. Yeah. No, it sounds very valuable. And I think, like you said, I, that's something that I've struggled with as well. You know, the the loving myself, the forgiving myself for certain things. It's a really difficult one, but I think it's something to face and it's something to confront, isn't it? And we can get so much value um, from that. I've, I've done some work with a um, a coach recently, um, Nilesh Satguru, who's a, an incredible person. And we've done some work around this in our kind of group coaching sessions, thinking about guilt versus shame, thinking about all, all these different aspects of being more compassionate with yourself and understanding and forgiving. And mm-hmm. I think it can be a game changer for people because it's something that maybe we just kind of, well, personally speaking, something that I've just kind of shunned and put aside, but actually the, I, I've gotten so much release, so much kind of tension as, as, as eased, once I confront that and, and realize, um, realize that I'd been kind of locking it away and, and keeping it separate. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I think that's really valuable. Yeah. Final question. Too. Yes. Final, final question is if you could buy everyone in the world, one book, which, which book would you buy them? Oh gosh. It, it's always <laughs> the book I'm reading at the moment. Um, the one book that helped me change my life and really, I give to everyone. I 
uh, I met meet is uh, is um, Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist. It's it's not directive. It's a journey. It's a storytelling. It can be as superficial or as profound as you want. And I absolutely adore how how he goes in this exploration of alchemy, of inner turmoil, on on outer challenges, and still returns to to find peace in in the most random of places. So yeah, that book, The Alchemist. If I had to only recommend one, that would be the one I'd go to. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Right, Kate, been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, your website again, it was katestrong.global, is that right? Yep, that's and it. Instagram, katestrong01. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's me. And please, anyone, reach out to me. I, I love chatting with people. So Brilliant. it can be just to say thank you or show me what you're doing. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it's all about connection, like you talked about earlier in the episode, for sure. Right. I'm really looking forward to sharing the episode. And yeah, I'm looking forward to staying connected. And maybe I will see you very well, not that soon, but you know, June or July, hopefully I'll be seeing you there and running or cycling along with you. (laughs) I look forward to it. Thank you so much today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found my conversation with Kate insightful. If you did enjoy the episode, please share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it inspiring. You can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.